At Domino's, we're more than pizza, so mix it up with our specialty chicken, stuffed cheesy bread, sandwiches, pastas, medium two-topping pizzas, and more for just $5.99 each, and we'll mix stand-up comedy with a robot. Stuffed cheesy bread and my act have a lot in common. They're both super cheesy. Tough crowd. You can also mix it up with Domino's salads, marbled cookie brownie, bread twist, and medium two-topping pizzas. Order any two or more for just $5.99 each. Two-item minimum. Bone-in wings, handmade pan pizza, and bread bowl pasta will be extra. You must ask for this limited time offer. Prices, participation, delivery area, and charges may vary. Okay, welcome into another duly noted podcast, Christmas edition. And we hope that everyone had a great Christmas, and or, or Hanukkah, or Kwanzaa. Or Festivus, whatever you celebrate. But um, actually, I'm taping this before Christmas, but we wanted to give you a Christmas present. Those of you who are fans of this podcast and have this up on the 26th, so it would give you kind of a kickoff into our coverage of uh, the Peach Bowl, the Chick fil A Peach Bowl. I don't know. Like, I'm not married to the fact that you can't use sponsors names like ap style is you're not supposed to use the sponsor's name if you can avoid it so i'll probably mostly refer to it as peach bowl um and there was a great argument one time i i was it would have been oh four between i want to say it was paul newberry but it might not have been who's an ap writer up in atlanta it might have been somebody else and that he and a chick Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl guy were having it out over why he wouldn't put Chick-fil-A in his in his stories and you need to put it in there. And I get the concern of sponsors, but because they're paying people are paying a lot of money. And here's the funny thing though, I, I think think about. Like the Outback Bowl has did it the smart way. The Belk Bowl did it the smart way. If you put if you say that's all it is, it's the Outback Bowl, nobody can say anything. They can't say, well, we can't use that. You have to use it. That's a smart way to do it. But it, it's funny how people will eat a lot of Chick-fil-A at, during this uh, coming week and yet not use Chick-fil-A in their stories. Just saying. Anyway, we have a special guest today, Angelique Chingalis from the uh, Detroit News, covers Michigan. I told you we would get a Michigan writer on here to talk about this game coming up. I'm looking forward to the week. Um, it's... Um, you know, it's, it's kind of really actually a better bowl week than we usually get in these terms. Usually we go somewhere and you're there for basically a week. Uh, this time, because of Christmas, we're only there for four days, five, five days if you count the day we leave, four nights. It'll, it's it's going to be good. It's going to be good. And we're just going to pound you with all kinds of stuff, all kinds of copy. And uh, I've got a, a really nice piece that i got to think about this i think it ran yesterday um or maybe running today well anyway on uh the previous peach bowls and how florida's not fared well outside the state of florida in bowl games so you can read that of course the picks were in saturday or sunday's paper and um we also want to talk about a lot of other stuff coming forward we're not going to go through every game and every pick but i got i got a really interesting i think over under for you that I'm going to give you a little bit later in the show. Three things also later in the show. We start out though with signing day because it was Wednesday, and I know that uh, by the time you're listening to this, a week's gone by. Uh, just some some general thoughts. I know that there are going to be people who go 16, 15, wherever they're ranked, and and again, it depends on what website you go to, where they're ranked, and who's where players are ranked. 
And I keep looking at some of the guys like this Weston kid, the wide receiver from Crestview. Uh, Dan Dan Mullen clearly knows something, clearly sees something in this guy, and it, um, that we that these recruiters don't see or these website guys don't see because this guy didn't go to camps, so they didn't get to evaluate him. I I would my gut. With Dan Mullen, and I, I think he's earned a little bit of the trust of Gator fans. Doesn't mean they're going to trust. They're, I mean, they, they want to see their guys. They want to see those hats picked up and put on the hats, put on the heads. They want to see Florida be a top five class again, like the old Urban Meyer days. I believe that's coming. I believe it could be next year or the year after. They've already got great starts on those classes. But I do think a couple of things. One, um, you know, it, it, somebody emailed me uh, and asked why Mullen hasn't been able to do what Meyer did, which was pulling that unbelievable 06 class right away. Uh, one thing is that class was there were there, you know there was a Tebow in it. There wasn't a Tebow in this class, you know, especially in the state of Florida. Um, but Mullen, I mean, there's no question Meyer did an incredible job doing that. It was different then, though, from this aspect. Florida didn't need the bells and whistles. They need them now. And when I say bells and whistles, I'm talking about a football-only facility with all kinds of great things. I mean, this is how – yeah, why do you think Oregon is having this unbelievable um, recruiting class? They've got everything you need. Georgia's got everything you need. Alabama's got everything you need. Florida doesn't yet. And now a days you need it. In 2006, you didn't need it because nobody had – I mean, everybody had decent facilities, but nobody had these amazing facilities. And I'm not making excuses for Mullen. And, in fact, I don't think he needs to be made excuses for. I think their class is a really good class. They attacked what they needed to attack. They got seven offensive linemen. They had to go do that. And five of them are enrolling early. Um, four of them are four-star. They, they, they're bringing in some guys who can – they think can really play and play right away. They they addressed linebacker. They addressed uh, obviously they got a quarterback who's been committed forever, so it doesn't have if he and that's always the thing. Now because of the Lakeland trio, a lot of people were really happy, um, but they held out this belief that Trey Sanders was going to come. I never thought he would. Uh, I think a little bit because his his brother was here as a walk on. But the bottom line was he'd been committed to Alabama for a long time. Um, so, and, and there's still some more guys out there. Like, for example, D1 Black, who needs to take his, his um, SAT or ACT, and he can't even visit until he does that. He wants to come. We all know that if you follow Twitter at all, how much he wants to come to Florida. But he's got to pass. He's got to get the, the, the test score before he can. There's a four-star that you add to that list. Then, if they can get some of these guys, uh, just to, you know, especially uh, Steele and, and uh, Elam, um, they're going to have a, a great class on, again on paper. And I'm I, I'm a big believer that until I see guys play, like Trey Dean's a good example. That was a good pickup, but it didn't like register nationally. And then you watched him play as a, a true freshman. He's going to be really good. Um, you watch the uh, offensive linemen. You didn't get to see them very much. But the, the four offensive linemen they signed, you know, I trust Hevesy because I saw what he did with these offensive linemen who came and were soft and weren't very good, to be honest with you, and, and ended up having a really nice season, especially at the end. 
So, um, look, you either trust your coach or you don't. That's always been my philosophy. Um, it is, um, you know, I think their class is a really good class. It's probably going to get better, and it'll probably be a 10 or 11 or whatever. And I think a great class is, is coming out there somewhere. We'll just wait and see. I just, I just don't think you can get too too uh, worried because it's not in the top three. And, of course, you know, we have this situation that is happening in college football where it just keeps repeating. We'll talk about that and more after we take our first break here on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. The Gators are definitely on a roll under Coach Mullen, and next year should be even better. Winning is great for the program, but not for everything. Did you know what winning also does? It creates difficulty finding hotel rooms around game day. Oh, no. Most hotels triple their normal rates and charge at least two nights minimum. What? And if the Gators really start winning, everything will be sold out way in advance. No! No! Have you ever thought about owning your own place in Gainesville to use for you and your friends and family on game day weekends? Call Betsy Pepin, the top realtor in Gainesville and sponsor of the Dewey Noted Podcast at 352-226-8474. And she'll help you find that perfect place for whenever you come to Gainesville. And when you're not using the place, she'll Airbnb it and take care of all the details. Betsy makes it easy for you to enjoy game day weekends instead of paying five-star rates for a one-star motel. Own your game days next year. Call Gainesville's number one realtor, Betsy Pepin, today. 352-226-8474. 352-226-8474. Ticket City presents Why You Go to the Game to see the Florida Gators. That was the loudest the stadium ever was. That was a South Carolina game that Jarvis Moss blocked the kick to end the game. I had walked over at the Gator Walk, and he came walking through, and I had touched his hand, and then he blocked it with that hand, so I was totally good luck. Put yourself in the action with Ticket City. Visit Gatorsports.com and click tickets. Okay, so yeah, my I mean, welcome back to the podcast, and here's the deal. Yeah, Alabama's there every year, and then they get great players, and then they're there, and then they get great players, and then they're there again. Clemson is there again, and then they get great players. Oklahoma. Uh, Notre Dame was a little bit of an outlier uh, to be in, but they had a a special year. I I got a feel Notre Dame, although they had another good recruiting class, uh, but Georgia was just in the playoff. Guess what? They had an unbelievable recruiting class. And we were, they were on the verge of getting in the playoff. And you can walk in to kids' houses and say, you want to play for a national title? This is where you need to go. Dan Mullen can't say that. He can say it, but there's nothing to back it up. The last time Florida was in, even a, had a shot at playing for the national title was when Will Muschamp's second year. And... You know, even then it was kind of, eh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if Florida wants to play Alabama in that one. Um, but obviously you haven't won one since 08. All these other schools. Now, Georgia hadn't won one since 80, but Georgia was just right there and should have won it. And then should have beaten Alabama in the SEC title game. That's what makes it easier to recruit in those situations. But we are getting into this kind of teams just keep regenerating themselves and I, that's why you hear a lot of talk about a playoff again. Um, while the rich get richer, the people that aren't getting rich 
as rich. Everybody's getting players. Everybody's, you know, I mean, Texas A&M had an unbelievable recruiting class uh, for a team that's going to, I don't even remember, what, what bowl are they going to, Texas A&M? Um, I, I, I've gone, oh, are they in the, no, yeah, they're in the Gator Bowl, right? So um, wh- wherever, wherever, um, whatever kind of season you had, doesn't mean you can't have a great recruiting class. Now, they've done a great job in the state of Texas. Obviously, them in Texas dominated that state and didn't leave a whole lot for anybody else. Um, but the rich are going to continue to get rich, and people are starting to talk about more about an 18 playoff. Now, as you guys know, I, I said I've said all along what we need to happen are two teams from the SEC to get in. And not just once, but maybe twice in a row, and it almost happened. And Notre Dame to get in, so that more the more conferences are left out, the more likely it's going to happen. Now, then I went totally the other way, and I said, you know what? I don't know that I want an 18 playoff because if Pitt plays one good game and gets in at eight and five, a new a playoff, that's not what I want in college football. If um, if you know Ohio State. Decide just lays an egg against Northwestern and Northwestern it's in. I, Northwestern doesn't belong in a playoff. This isn't college basketball, okay? This isn't you can win your conference and go go twelve and nineteen and win your conference tournament on on a fluke shot and you get to go play in the in the big dance. That's a different game. That's a different, totally different um, setup and it's totally different. Uh, and, atmosphere and it's great and i love it believe me i love college basketball tournament i don't ever want to see football get anywhere near that point would i like eight yeah but you know what i'd like the eight best teams so even after these championship games that committee sits down and they decide who are the eight best teams so even though you could lose that championship game you could still get in and it does it diminish that championship game? Yeah, a little bit. Would it, would would Georgia Alabama would the stakes have been anywhere near as high? No, they wouldn't have been. Georgia would be in either way, right? So it does take a little bit away from that. Does it take away from some regular season games? Yeah, a little bit. Sure, I agree with that. But it makes other games that much bigger. Because now you've got teams playing, and I think if we win this game, I mean, Florida, FSU, now Florida wouldn't have gotten in, but they were, they're not that far away from being in. LSU's not that far away from being in an 18 playoff. So all of a sudden their game against, in fact, their game against uh, A&M that went seven overtimes was already one of the greatest games you've ever seen, but it didn't mean anything. Think about how much that game would have meant. So you're not – in the end, it's all a wash. Yes, you're diminishing playing time. I mean, you're, I'm sorry, you're diminishing regular season games, some of them, but you're strengthening other ones. It all washes out. So I got no problem with that. I just don't want it to be automatic conference champs get in. You take the eight best teams and look – if your conference does not have one of the eight best teams in the country, you shouldn't be in the playoff. And that's 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 a you problem. And that would probably a team like or a school like uh you know or like the, the Pac-12 this year would have issues with that. They probably wouldn't like an 18 playoff. But 
you know, play better, win more games. Now, I do see the issue of the, to me the no, only issue, the only issue here because look, the SEC is not getting rid of its playoff game. That is never happening, and the SEC ain't gonna go to nine games either because you know why? This way's working pretty well. The way they're doing it now is working pretty well. Why change just because you want us to change? It's kind of like, and I'll get into the UCF-UF thing in a little bit, but it's kind of like that. Why why do you want it to do it just to help? Because you don't like what our success. So in other words, the SEC is like, well, we win the championship almost every year. We're in it. We had two teams in it last year. We almost had two teams in this year. Why would we want to change? Why would we not want to play a conference championship game, which was the highest-rated game in seven years in college football? Why would we not want that? Tickets are going for like twelve hundred bucks. Why would we not want that? So, if you still had the eight best teams in, I think it'd be a lot more fun. I do agree with the whole thing with the players. Ask adding the game. You cannot keep the same model if you do that. You just can't. Because it's, you're going to have to do something for the players, whether it's give them their likenesses, whether it's be less restrictive on things they can do. I mean, players get a lot. I, you know me. I talked about that all the time. They get a lot. But they, if you add another game to their plate, another chance to get hurt, another reason to have to work hard. Um, and, and again, you're not adding a game to everybody's season. My math always gets funky on this, but but bear with me for a second. Okay, so you're playing in a bowl game anyway, so let's take away the first round of the playoffs. That Everybody's playing in that, all right? Four teams go on, so you're really only adding one game there, right? Because one of those teams was going to go on, or one of those matchups was going to happen anyway, and then you play the championship game with somebody who's going to play two. I, I think the math comes out that you're really only adding one game for two teams. But it, maybe maybe it's more than that. But not, I don't think it is. I think it's not, really not that big a deal. But I, I don't think you're going to be able to do it and say, but we're not changing anything with the players. We're not increasing the stipend. We're not uh, – and, and, again, this is where you get into a lot of issues – with a stipend and with paying players and all this, because where do you where do you draw the line? Do you pay everybody the same? Do you pay all the basketball players too, and the golfers and tennis players? These are things nobody's ever point, been able to explain to me. So we'll see what happens going forward with this. It is getting a lot of conversation. Nicole Arbach's story brought it to light. Jim Delaney said again this week he wants it to happen now. The, the discussions, that that doesn't mean it's going to happen. I don't think it'll happen. I don't think you'll see it minimum five years. Just my gut. All right. And I do want it. I want it from the selfish reason still, which is I get to watch, wait a minute, instead of three playoff games, I get to watch seven playoff games? Thank you. And this year's bowls aren't overwhelmingly exotic for me. But we'll see. All right. One other thing, um, it, it, we talked about it. It's moving season. It's talking season. Uh, it's it's uh, obviously this time of year, a lot of different things are happening. But 
obviously for players, you're seeing a lot of players not playing bowl games. And we're going to talk to Angelique in just a minute about the fact that uh, Karan Higdon has decided he's not going to play in the Peach Bowl. And Devin Bush's hip is uh, still bothering him, and he's not going to be able to play in the Peach Bowl. Certainly this helps Florida. Rashawn Gary had already said he wasn't going to play. He'd been hurt a lot during the year anyway. It helps Florida. I don't think it helps them like this overwhelming amount. Um, but it, it certainly helps them. Uh, I'm having a hard time with that pick. That that pick's a tough one. But we see Justin Fields is moving on, um, and it's talked about Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Florida State as possible landing spots. My message to him would be, bro, you do not want to go to Florida State, and it has nothing to do with the school. It has nothing to do with the coach. It has nothing to do with with uh, how good you think or, or don't think they're going to be. doesn't have anything to do with the war chant. It has to do with their offensive line. You don't want to play behind that, man. I don't know why you wouldn't, if you were him, go to Oklahoma where walk-on, or, man, walk-ons, transfers have won the last two Heisman trophies. Hey, uh, if you come here, the chances are really good you're going to win the Heisman, okay? Sure. I'll be there in a minute. But I, I got the feeling he may be leaning towards Ohio State. There was this weird story I don't want to say weird, but it was a story that was in the Orlando setting about DeAndre Francois was leaving. And then he basically called the paper and said, I'm not going anywhere. I might, but I haven't made a decision on that. So keep an eye on that. Uh, I don't think he's going to get great feedback from the NFL. Uh, it doesn't sound like he wants to transfer just from his conversation, but just keep an eye on it. That's all you can really do. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to talk a little Michigan football. Angelique Shangelis from the Detroit News is going to join us. Can't wait to talk to her. She's one of the best in the business, and we'll discuss uh, the Wolverines. Wolverines. I was watching Red Dawn again the other day. I watch it every time it's on for a little while. I never watch it very long. Sad. I, I never liked the ending of that movie. Neither one. Well, actually, the second one, I don't even remember the ending. The first one, though, I watch all the time. There's some movies I can't help myself. I stop, and I watch them, even though I've seen them a million times, and that's one. That's why I said, Wolverines! Take a break. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. At ViStar, we believe in better. And that means treating people better with friendly, personal service that's kept our members happy since 1952. A smile and personal greeting when you enter the branch. An online or phone chat for those quick questions. And a call center that's open every day. If you believe that great service is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Okay, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. We appreciate everybody for clicking on, and it's a great pleasure to bring in Angelique Chengalis, who covers Michigan from the Detroit News. And we told you we're going to talk some Michigan football on this very special Christmas podcast as the Gators and the Wolverines are are up there ready to get ready. Angelique, first of all, I got to ask you what the kind of mood is among the fan base there with playing the Gators again. Now, they've owned Florida over the last, you know, whatever it is, um, two decades, I guess, basically, uh, 4-0 against them, but it's, it's kind of like, yeah, the Gators again. It is like that, Pat, and, and I'm sure you were monitoring social media that day the, the bowls were being released. And, and I mean, I think 
Florida fans were the same way. Like, really, Michigan again? Yeah. And I think that there was a lot of that initially from from Michigan fans. Like, come on, you know, they played last year in the season opener. They played in a couple recent bowl games. Enough, Florida. And you know, I thought maybe that would damper ticket sales, but they've been fairly brisk. And and I think you saw the. The Peach Bowl CEO was up here last week saying there's going to be a sellout. So I, apparently there's interest, but I think the, there was some fatigue, I think, after that Ohio State loss. And then to hear Florida, Michigan, people weren't excited. But now I think that they're, they're ready for it. What is the overall mood, though, up there just based on, okay, another loss to Ohio State, mm-hmm. and then the news, oh, we don't have to worry about Urban anymore. Uh, so I would <laughs> think, you know, it's almost like they're rejuvenated by that. <laughs> yeah, maybe so, but I, I think that uh, it's taken them a long time to recover from a 62-39 loss, yeah. and I'm talking about the fans. Uh, I, I, you know, the, the players are resilient. They know they, they, they lost in every phase, really, and it was disappointing on so many levels, but uh, for the fans, I think it was just, you know, more of the same, again, kind of more of the same with Florida, but it was more of the same with with Ohio State, and the hopes were so high, Pat. I mean, they'd won 10 straight since losing to, to Notre Dame. I mean, you know, there was the national playoff talk. There was Big Ten championships sure. on the line. And to lose that way, I, I think that just it deflated everyone. And, you know, you, you heard this. You read the meltdown on social media. You get the emails from people who are fed up. And then after a few days, and then it's recruiting, people are fired up, especially after Michigan's class that they signed yesterday. People seem to be turning the corner. Yeah, it was an excellent class, and obviously flipped some people at the last minute. Um, what do you make of the players who are not playing? Rashawn Gary, I think it was Higdon yesterday, announcing he is not playing. Uh, Devin Bush, I believe, is the other one. Those are the only three that are not playing? Those are the only three right now. There's still some conversation, perhaps the corners, Lavert Hill, David Long. No one knows what they're doing yet, whether they're going to leave with a, with a year to go. Um, no indication from them. But, yeah, those three, Higdon, Gary, and, and Bush. And it's interesting because Devin Bush had a, hip, had a hip injury in the Ohio State game, missed the last quarter and a half, and he's a captain like Higdon, like Higdon is. And... His, uh, some of his teammates, like Carlo Kemp, was on the uh, coach's radio show last night saying that he's been in the rehab and he's been trying to get back. And that's what Bush said in his statement, that, that he's just not medically cleared to practice or play in the bowl game. And I think the players, they've, they've seen that, and that's why Carlo Kemp said that at least the defensive players are going to play Florida, play in this bowl game for Devin Bush. But, um, you know, I think the other, Rashawn Gary, was just he was, he's ready to, to prepare for the NFL, and, and Karan Higdon the same. So, um, you know, I think that, that people were really, that Devin Bush was disappointed on, on so many levels because he is a captain. He wanted to play his last game with these guys. But, you know, he's moving on, and, and maybe there will be a couple more, but right now those are the three. Yeah, and as I pointed out to some, some people, um, the last time Florida played Michigan in a bowl game, Jabril Peppers was out for that game, and it didn't—it oh, right. didn't seem to hold hold anything back uh, as far as that game went. My recollection, and I'm not looking this up because I don't have it right in front of me, but that Chris Evans played pretty good against Florida last year in, in Arlington. I, 
I don't. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Yeah, I think and he so did Tariq well Black, game. right? Yeah. And here's a guy who, uh, you know, talking about guys who may may see more playing time. He's a guy who who was, he was shining for them as a receiver and, and started off in that Florida game last year. Then he gets hurt three games after his third game and sits out the rest of the year. Now everyone thinks Tariq Black's going to have a great year as a receiver this year. He breaks his other foot before the season starts. And he's been slow getting back, but I, I gotta believe that he's had plenty of time now. Maybe he gets his second debut against Florida again. So um, he's one of those guys. But you're right about Chris Evans, and he's effective too as a receiver out of the backfield. And uh, I think that that you know they will use him in many ways uh, against Florida. You know, I, I I always talk about how bowl games are basically exhibition games. They're basically mm-hmm. TV shows. Um, and you never know when a team shows up at a site whether they're they're coming there ready to go. I do believe that unlike maybe some of the past teams, past coaches especially, you got to know Jim McElwain a little bit this year. Um, I think Dan Mullen's really good at getting guys ready to play as a whole. What do you think the mindset of this Michigan team is going to be coming into this game? Because as we all as we talked about, what they wanted didn't happen. No, you're you're right, and and my just an outside look outsider looking in. I think Mullen is really good at what he's done this year. Look where he's got Florida and on the cusp of a ten win season. So I think that's going to be motivation enough. And saw him coach against Michigan a few years ago when Rich Rod was there at the Gator Bowl. And yeah, um, I just remember those cowbells, Dad. I couldn't uh, stop hearing uh, the cowbells when he was at Mississippi State. Oh, but. you should have heard them this year. They were just <laughs> brutal. It is brutal, but. You know, as far as Michigan, they're saying all the right things, Pat. They're saying 11 wins, 11 wins. It's rarefied air at Michigan. Not a lot of teams have done it. I think uh, Pat uh, Brady Hoke's team in 2011 was the last one, and before that, Lloyd Carr was coach. I think it was 2006. I have to go back and look, but it was you know it was that far back, and there haven't been a lot of those. And they're saying the right thing. I've heard them say the right things before about games like this, and. You just wonder, gosh, they had a month to prepare. I mean, that was my thought last year after that bowl game, after how poorly they played. You're like, wow, three weeks, four weeks, whatever it is to prepare, and that's it. So I got to believe that that Harbaugh's got them thinking 11 wins, thinking them springboard into next year, thinking, hey, look how close this team was this year. Now it's time to get closer next year, and now now is the time to build, and now is the time to make a statement against Florida. I mean, they've lost their last two bowl games. And people now start mentioning John Cooper. You know, John Cooper would lose the Michigan game and lose the bowl game. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you don't want that comparison. And he had those elite Ohio State teams. So uh, I think there's a lot of motivation. But, uh, you know, time will tell. I, I, like I said, they, they go into this and they say business trip, business trip. And they're very focused. But sometimes it doesn't show on the field. So I'm going to be very curious. Because they've all been saying, you know, when people say, well, you're going to Atlanta – and then the mission players will say, but it is a New Year's Six ball. So they're at least aware that this is a significant ball, and it could propel them into a top five ranking by the end of the season. Yeah, I think that's a big factor, too. You never know how, whether the coaches I know are always motivated, but you never yeah. know with the players. Last thing for you, Angelique, and we appreciate your time. We are uh, Obviously, there's been a lot of chatter, and it's being kind of generated by up in your neck of the woods with the commissioner of the Big Ten. Uh, Jim Delaney talking about playoffs and wanting to have conversations about playoffs. I want to get your take on what you think 
the possibilities are that four or five years down the road we're going to see that? And are you in favor of expanding it to eight or six? I've been in favor of expansion. I really have to eight, and and I hope it's sooner than later. I, I just think it's it, – I don't know what, what this year in particular, Pat – and it's not, not has nothing to do with cover in Michigan or whatever. It just feels like people aren't caring as much about the Bulls because of the playoffs, and maybe you need to get more teams in the playoffs to make it feel more significant. And I, I don't know. This year really did trigger this for me a little bit more, and I, I just think it's fair. I think with the with, you know the Big Ten champion not getting in there, but you know you could argue this was not a great Big Ten season. I mean, this was not not their deepest and not their their best overall performance but i I mean i think you've got to have those conference tie-ins and uh i I think expansion is the only way and i hope it's sooner than later angelique we appreciate it we will be back with more on the duly noted podcast right after we take this break Okay, welcome back to the podcast. Appreciate everybody for clicking on. And uh, like I said, um, we'll be back on schedule next week after the bowl game. Um, back on Tuesdays with the duly noted podcast. Obviously, we'll we'll talk. Be talking. That'll be a postcast. We'll be talking about the Gator game and the other bowl games. We'll get into a little bit of basketball, and then moving forward. Uh, obviously, after the championship game we'll we'll be talking a little bit about that but we'll talk a lot of basketball moving forward and get some basketball guests on as well um but it is bowl season and bowl season is cranking up this weekend you actually have a power five team playing saturday we haven't had that yet oh actually we did arizona state lost to fresno state uh so there's one so the second power five wake forest if you want to count them um you also have, um, you know, there's there's some decent games. There's not a lot of great games. Army can win 11. Is that enough to make you watch it? First time ever in history? I think so. Like, their game's worthwhile watching. And, of course, you'll have some basketball, but most of us are all going to be celebrating. I'm going to double Christmases, a movie for Christmases, which is hilarious. Uh, I do three. Luckily, I haven't gotten to four yet. But I got, I've got the Jupiter one and the St. Augustine one. And everybody say a little prayer for my dad because he's been struggling lately. Um, we were really worried about him the other day. But everybody say a little prayer, Christmas prayer for him. Um, and then the Gainesville one, obviously, as you know. <laughs> uh, so uh, my daughter Jennifer will be coming in from Santa Monica. Excited about that. So, um now I'm saying all this. All this has happened because this is up on Wednesday, but I got distracted. So we have the bowl games coming up at, um, later on. But look, look, the bottom line is it'll be interesting to see how the conferences do. I think it's, I think it, it too much is made of it, but it's still interesting to watch. It's like you know what the conference records are like. It's kind of like the AP poll preseason poll and that you it, it really doesn't matter who's ranked number 12 but you still like to talk about it it's something to talk about and i know that some people put a lot into this i know they do that stupid bowl thing on uh, bowl challenge on espn which is just ridiculous 
But, um, you know, definitely the Pac-12 going 1-8 and eight last year was a factor in why, the way people looked at them going in. The, the problem I have, the biggest problem I have with people looking at who how teams do in the bowl games is they project that onto the next poll, which is in August, right? First game, I think, is August 31st this year. So we'll have a poll out in August at the AP and um, – or, or the coaches poll or whatever, they project what that team did in the bowl game. Oh, they've got momentum. Well, those players, a lot of those players aren't playing anymore. They're gone. And that momentum dissipates, okay? For example, if Missouri wins their bowl game, which I think they will, and that makes them, I believe, 9-4, and four, right? I don't have it right in front of me. You're going to have people going, I'm picking Georgia to win the East, which is going to happen. I may pick Missouri second. Like, South Carolina was the darling this year. Some people were arguing that they could finish second. Um, and, and certainly, nobody saw Kentucky coming the way they did. But Missouri may be one of the, like, darlings, even losing Drew Locke just because of what they've got a quarterback with the transfers coming in, you know, the kid from TCU and, of course, Kelly Bryant. So that'll be interesting. But I did this today – and this is based, again, I'll say this one more time and then I'll quit saying it. This is this is being done a week ahead of time just to have it up there. But going into the bowls, the number of teams from each conference and where they favored. So I, I, I took if you were favored or not favored, and I basically did an over-under for the five power conferences. And here's how it came out. The SEC, their over-under should be nine. Nine of their teams are favored, right? So, I mean, that doesn't count the championship game. But nine of their teams are favored, which is pretty made. The only underdogs are Florida and Kentucky, I believe, right? Kentucky. So, theirs is nine. The Pac-12s, which already has got one loss, they're 0-1, is four. They're favored in four of their seven games. Same thing with the Big Ten. They're favored in four of their ten games. So, their over-under is only four. The ACC is only three. They've got 11 teams. Eight of them are underdogs. And then the Big 12, two and five. That's based on who's favored. But that's the thing that the SEC, how dominant the SEC is, and then what they've got to live up to. They've got to live up. If they go go anything but nine and two, you're like, well, like if they go seven and four in those games, well, Kind of, kind of struggle. But that's seven winning teams. Now, I don't even know if I'm making a point here. I think it's a good time to go to three things because I don't think uh, – I think I'm just talking gibberish. I, hopefully you understand what I was trying to say there. Okay? All right. Let's do three things. It's time for three things. Number one, this is all I'm going to say about UCF Florida and the – two-week-long skirmish that's taken place on Twitter and blogs and Bianchi and Danny White and Florida pretty much ignoring the whole thing because they should. Where is it written that schools and programs should help each other out? Why does UCF have this feeling like you guys, Florida, you need to play us home and home. We need that. Well, Florida says, we don't need that. Why would we do that? 
we'll give you two for one. Like USF, we gave them two for one. Why is UCF not going to Florida State and Miami and saying, hey, we want to go home and home? Are they doing that? Why is there no pressure on them? Look, I'm taking the Florida side on this because I just don't understand the mentality. Look, and I made this point in my picks column. It's like trying to explain that we really did land on the moon to people who don't believe that, that we did. And I will say this out loud and might get offend some people. If you don't think we landed on the moon, you're pretty much a moron. You, and if you know, if you don't believe there were dinosaurs and you and all those kind of things that are proven facts, if you don't believe the earth is round, I don't want to I really don't want to have that argument with you. And that's where I am with UF UCF argument. UCF fans who, oh, Florida got out of that game. They didn't get out of the game. It's been explained to you a hundred times why Florida and UCF didn't play, aren't going to be playing in a bowl game. It's been explained to you. It's been explained to you by the head of the Peach Bowl. Nope, 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 nope. I'm not going to let facts get in the way. It is the biggest non-story of my time. And I think, you know, like everybody forgets that UCF got out of a game in Gainesville 10 years ago. Got their, bought their way out. They could have played. Could have played Florida then. I, I just go away. Uh, they have gotten me rooting for LSU, which I didn't think was possible. And I, I look, LSU has had, I, they lost another guy today, Ed Jefferson, I think it was. Was it Ed Jefferson? that decided he's not playing the bowl game. Um, you know, already Greedy Williams, Al. I, I got a feeling UCF's going to win that game. But I think all of America is rooting for LSU. Probably not. And look, here's the thing. I've said this before. I really respect what they've done. I think it's a heck of a story. But sometimes stories like this just overwhelm you to the point where People feel like they have like a right to things. You don't have a right to anything. Nothing. That's that. You don't have a right to anything. You have a right to go play your football games. If you win, fine. Go polish your pretend trophy. All right. Number two on the three things. Um, because this is going long, I better speed it up. I was watching the Gator basketball team play uh, the other night, and of course. When this airs, it'll play Florida Gulf Coast as well. Um, the one thing that, after watching them play, you know, double figure games now, that is just startling, and sometimes you have to think about it, is just how slow they play offensively. And that's because of last year we were used to a Chioza jetting up the court, uh, and b you know Kolchov, who was very smart and could play anywhere, so you didn't have to get guys in position. And they don't have that this year. Nemhard's a really, really good player. There's no doubt about it. But it is slow it down. I never thought we'd see a Florida team that is as slow. And I'm not talking about foot speed. I'm talking about they slowed the game down. Let's play here. Let's dribble here. Let's take 20 seconds to get a shot off. Um, 
Now, sometimes they do take quick threes, and, and, and that's fine. I got no problem with that. But for the most part, they're slow. One reason their defensive numbers are still really good is because they slow the game down. There are fewer possessions. I would love, and I will do this when I get back, okay? When I get back from the bowl game, I will sit down with some numbers, and I'm going to see possessions per game. Florida this year versus last year. It may not jive. It may not work out because they've played so many fewer games than they played all last year. And last year, the games slow down when you get into conference play as a rule because teams know each other. But I'm still curious. I'm still going to pull them out and doing it. But that's the biggest difference to me. And I think that's one reason Jalen Hudson is, is struggling too. Um, no, he's, one reason he struggles is he's missing shots. But I think he's lost some confidence because he was used to getting some open shots early in the shot clock. Boom, Chioza's flying down. Everybody collapses on Chioza drive, and he kicks it out wide up in three. I, I don't think they have that now. So we'll see this team going forward. It doesn't feel like an NCAA team. The schedule's been awfully tough. I wonder if they regret some of it, scheduling a little too tough. But that's the way you get into the tournament, so I have no problem with it. And we'll see what uh, what happens. And number three, finally, uh, just want to thank all the people who listen. If you listen once, if you listen 100 times to this podcast, it was something this year we tried to expand with advertising, and it went really well. I know some advertisers are already signed up for next year's uh, podcast. And just thankful for all the people who listen to it, even the ones who are critical of it. And that's fine. I, I can take criticism. Um, I have no problem with that. I take a lot of it. Probably more than I should be taking because I shouldn't be making mistakes like I do sometimes. But I appreciate it, and I just wanted to wish you all – I hope you had a great Christmas. I hope you um, had a great year. And let's have a better one next year. Let's, let's, let's make the podcast better. Let's come up with – maybe we get the equipment a little bit better, which is the one thing I've, I've been lobbying for. And uh, even better guests, even better features. Next year, I want to try to do some things like that where we do some uh, – the three things is I think people like, but we're, some other things like that where we're, we're, we're doing it more like a radio show, which is it, pretty much what it is anyway. Anyway, thank you all for making this a lot of fun this year. And we will be back next year, which is just next Tuesday. It's not like a long time away. Is it even next year? Wait a minute. 29th, 30th. Yeah, it would be Tuesday the 1st, right? Anyway, we'll have a podcast for you next week, I promise. Um, But thanks again. Thanks to Angelique for coming on. She was great. And thank you all for listening. Until next time, I'm Pat Dooley, the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I am deep, I am way back, and I am out of here.